welcome to this week's episode of Seen and Heard, Industry Updates for the Modern Dairy Family. I'm Darby Toth, a Technical Field Services Representative with Western United Dairies. And I'm Melissa Lima, the North Coast and Organic Field Services Rep with Western United Dairies. Nice to be back in studio, quote unquote, with you, Darby. It's been a few weeks. <laughs> I know it has been a few weeks. It's nice to be back together. I'm sitting here um, breathing in the smell of some freshly cut alfalfa and looking forward to Easter weekend. Yes, it's a great week. I think I'm I'm up in Northern California. We have both have family down in Southern California. You're in the Valley. It seems like from one into the other, it's been a beautiful week in California. We're all enjoying some spring weather, that freshly cut silage and it seems like we're finally rolling into a more normal pattern, hopefully. I agree. I think everybody's getting a little gift for their Easter. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we um, do have an exciting lineup today. Um, no market update, Darby. Um, Tiffany is taking a well-deserved week off to go to a horse show with her girls. And um, the, the ladies at Blimling were taking Good Friday off as well. So Basically, um, we do have a quick update. The February final margin for the margin protection program or um, dairy margin coverage, DMC as we know it, um, ended up at 622, which means indemnity payments for producers will be 328, 100 weight. And then um, we did get news this week that the March projected margin settled at 747, um, meaning that the indemnity looks like about $2.03 a hundred weight. So um, despite having no market update, I think that's a little bit of good news for producers. A payment um, for February should be landing in their bank accounts by Monday. And then there's definitely a, a decent looking payment coming their way for March as well. Yep, exactly. And then you and I both got to sit down this week with Cesar Vargas of Ramundo and Associates to really go over the new WERS, Western United Human Resources Program. We had a really good chat with him. We're also going to rerun Anya's virtual kitchen table meeting where she talked about water rendering and the recall. And to round out our episode, Rochelle has an update from Lacheros. Yes, uh, definitely an action-packed episode this week. That virtual kitchen table meeting had some good questions and some really good, I think, answers for producers. And as always, we're glad to have Rochelle and, and glad to share a little bit more about words with you all. So we'll go ahead and jump right in. Hi, dairy members of Western United Dairies. The Cheros News of California is here to remind you that we are here to help you find and search for new employees and provide assistance advertising your open positions on our social media employee outreach channels. Remember, it's free for one members. Also, don't forget to order your 2021 labor posters. Please don't hesitate to contact me, Rochelle, at 209 Five two seven six four five three or via email r a s h e l l at w u dairies dot com. Thank you and have a nice day. Hi, I'm Jessica with PG&E. 811 is a free service to keep our community safe. Before you do any digging, PG&E will mark your gas and electric lines so you don't hit them. Call 811 before you dig. To learn more, visit pge.com slash safety. All right. Well, Melissa and I are happy to be here with Cesar Vargas from Ramundo's office, who is going to share with us a little bit about the new WERS program, our new human resources program here at Western United. You might have gotten a postcard about this in your mailbox this week. So to get us started, Cesar, would you mind um, just introducing yourself and giving us a little bit of background and how you found your way to WERS? Yes, of course. Thank you, Darby. Uh, so I am a law school graduate, graduated uh, in 2018, um, going to be taking the bar this summer. So hopefully I'll be licensed by the end of the year. Um, grew up, was raised uh, here in the Central Valley, um, born and raised in Fresno, um, and actually worked in the fields as a young child with my parents. My parents um, are uh, immigrants. So, um, you know, have a feel of, of how life is, you know, out in the fields, not just in, you know, dairies, but also um, in the agricultural sector. Um, and yeah, the worst program was just implemented by Anthony Raimondo, um, who basically saw a need um, for, you know, dairy members to get these legal services uh, that would benefit uh, them and not only the company, but also the employees just because in recent years, we've seen a, a great uptick in uh, a lot of claims and lawsuits being filed um, 
all over the agricultural sector and, and a lot more now in, in the dairy field. That kind of brings us to a good, I think, jumping off point, Caesar. It, what is work? We've been getting a lot of questions. Um, I think the postcard that went out this week probably helped answer a lot of questions, but it's more than just a human resource service, basically. It's, it's going to help producers in a lot of ways. So maybe we could talk a little bit about that need for the program and what exactly we do. Yes, of course. So uh, the the main the main idea of the WORST program is to create and facilitate uh, a communication outlet between employers and employees. Um, that way, we can avoid um, claims and lawsuits being filed. Um, some of the things that we've seen um, as to why you know claims are filed. Um, are sometimes relatively small. And, and a lot of the times it's miscommunication between the employer and employee or non-communication uh, for that matter. And uh, the main uh, idea of the whole entire program is to obviously, uh, you know, not just create, but sustain uh, a good healthy relationship between the employer and employee so we can avoid um, you know, good employees leaving uh, the company or filing claims when um, in reality, you know, most situations uh, can just be resolved uh, with simple communication um, or and or uh, just providing uh, employees, uh, you know, certain things that they may want or need. Um, and, and that's basically the, the main idea. And that's what we're trying to do with, with the subscription program here. Great, and maybe we could talk a little bit about how we execute that plan. Um, we start with a pretty simple step, which is an on-site visit. Um, you and Tony learn a lot about the facility in that initial visit, do a walk around, and then from there you meet with employees and and start by auditing um, records and just looking at every aspect of the employment program on the dairy. Yes, yes, just like you said, uh, the main step uh, is obviously going out to, to, the, to the dairy, to the site, and talking to the, to the owners, to the, to the uh, you know, company members uh, about the program and see if it's something that they believe would benefit them. And if so, then you know, we go ahead and sign an agreement and get started. Um, one thing I do want to point out is initially, um, you know, the, the company does need to cooperate and obviously providing us the documentation that we need. Uh, but once they do that, we basically take it from there. We do uh, time card auditing, payroll auditing, uh, check stubs auditing, I-9 auditing. Um, that's all included in the first initial phase. Um, we then draft reports, uh, you know, indicating what errors or omissions are on those and um, you know, our recommendations so uh, the company could go ahead and fix those uh, because not, sometimes it's not just um, you know, a claim that an employee has. Um, once you know, a plaintiff's lawyer gets their hand on some of these claims, I mean, they look for every little thing that they can find and um, something as small as a, you know, uh, not providing some wording on, on a check stub, you know, could be a violation in California that could range anywhere between $700 to $1,200 just for a simple violation. So, um, yeah, we do auditing on, on, you know, as a first phase. And then um, we go on to, you know, the second phase would be, which would be going out again to the site, this time talking to the employees, making sure they're happy, making sure that there's no issues, if there are any concerns or, um, even something as small as like, hey, you know, we don't have cold water. We have, you know, room temperature water. Okay, well, let's, you know, let's make it happen and, you know, let's get some ice out there. Um, clean restrooms, simple things like that. Again, just to keep the employees happy. Um, and then, you know, additionally, obviously, we'll have documents for them to sign. Um, if, if employee handbooks are necessary, arbitration agreements, if there's housing, uh, that's, um, in, in with the employees, uh, then we'll you know have housing agreements uh, if the the company wants them, um, things like that. Meal break waivers, which I, obviously you guys have seen, is something huge lately. Um, you know we we have a lot of companies in which the employees you know work split shifts or you know they work you know close to 
12 hours, but they don't want to take that second break. And so a lot of companies have been asking, you know, how do we go about that? Um, you know, and obviously there's ways to, to you know, waive that those lunch periods, um, even waiving a one lunch period in a, in a six hour shift is possible. So we provide documentation for that. Great. Well, just before I kind of, I was, my next question really to ask is talking about really outlining the three phases. But while you were talking, I thought of something else. I've been talking to a lot of producers about the program and you touched on the direct communication with the employees, but would you mind talking a little bit more about, you know, sometimes words is going to going to cause some changes to the employees and how you're going to be able to hopefully mediate some of the, the struggle that might come with changes on an operation. Yes, of course. So we, you know, a lot of companies, they have uh, their employees, of, a lot of them are mainly Spanish speaking. And, um, you know, I'm sure there's a way that the owners can communicate with their employees. Uh, but a lot of it also just has to do with the culture. I mean, you know, a lot of these employees come from, you know, a certain kind of culture um, and they feel more comfortable talking to another person, um, you know, within the same culture. And um, sometimes there's some employees that fear going to, uh, you know, a company owner and telling them, hey, this is what's going on. Um, you know, sometimes they just feel like, you know what, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and work. And so, yeah, that's something that we're going to be providing um, is, uh, you know, myself, obviously, a liaison to communicate with the employees and see what's going on. And it's going to be complete confidentiality. So we're not going to be disclosing any names, uh, but we will be relaying to the company owners, um, you know, any concerns, any issues that employees have. Um, and we think that would make it uh, a lot easier to basically, like you said, facilitate that communication and mediate any issues that are, um, you know, happening. Uh, and, and again, most of these issues, they're, the owners are not aware because they're never told anything by the employees. Um, so, uh, you know, we want to do that. That way um, we could provide that, that open, open line of communication between the employee and the employer um, without any, you know, fear of, obviously retaliation or repercussions or, you know, saying, oh, well, they're fine. You know, we're, we're obviously going to be um, somewhat passive aggressive uh, in the communication and, you know, with, with both sectors, with employees and employers and let them know, you know, hey, you know, the employees want this and we agree this should be done. And also telling the employees, hey, you know, you got to take your breaks on time. You know, we see this going on and, you know, you're going over things like that. So uh, yeah, we think that would be really, that's gonna be really important in this program is to um, have that open line of communication uh, and us in the middle mediating that communication with complete confidentiality. Yeah, I think on some operations, you just see the buildup of issues like in any relationship that aren't getting addressed. And I think that's one point of, of words that I'm really excited about. I think it's gonna be really beneficial to members and hopefully help retain employees and just make, make better relationships all around. Um, and yeah, like I said, you did kind of touch a little bit on the phases of words, but would you mind really outlining the three phases that we're operating in for our listeners? Yeah, sure. So first phase uh, entails the auditing of time cards, payroll, check stubs, and I-9s. So uh, we'll be requesting those documentation from the employees um, and reviewing them, seeing that there are no errors or omissions. Almost in all documents, there will be some little things, um, you know, we'll point them out, but we want to make sure there's nothing major um, in the documentation, obviously. Um, we'll also be asking for personnel files. A lot of companies don't have personnel files, but it's something kind of important to, to hold on to and, you know, create a folder for each employee. Um, so we'll be looking at that and also any other documents that the employer has already provided to employees like housing agreements will agree to look over those and see if there may be any changes that need to be made um, or employee handbooks as well. So that will be the first phase of uh, the whole documentation uh, auditing. Uh, second phase uh, will be going out, speaking to the employees, getting them to sign arbitration agreements. Um, employee handbooks, providing them copies of these as well, because a lot of them, you know, they don't know basically, you know, what an arbitration agreement is. So we, you know, explain to them what it is um, and laying out obviously also their rights as to their, their lunch periods and things like that. 
Um, also, we'll be providing um, harassment, discrimination uh, trainings to the employees and to the employers as well, uh, supervisors, foremen, uh, people in that uh, capacity. Um, it's not as prevalent in the dairy field, uh, but we still do see some uh, discrimination uh, claims being brought up, um, you know, anywhere between, you know, sexual harassment to like, oh, they didn't provide me with this or that because, you know, I'm of this culture or this uh, ethnicity, et cetera. Um, and then the third phase would be uh, continuing to do um, the auditing, continuing to do the on-field visits, making sure that everything is good. Um, we don't have a set uh, timeline as to how consistent the on-field visits will be. Some, I might just, you know, sometimes just pop up and just kind of catch them off guard and like, hey, I just, you know, I just arrived. I want to make sure everything's okay. Is, you know, are there any concerns? Everything's going good. Um, so that would be the third phase is just continuing uh, to do uh, the auditing, continue to do the on-field visits. Um, if I have to visit the site, uh, you know, because something was brought up to my attention, uh, you know, whether it's a, a text or call from the employee or even the employer and me having to speak to the employee, then I'll be going out there to the site and discussing that with whomever I need to discuss that with. And um, obviously, you know, this would just be recurring um, services. Um, so as long as the company, you know, is, is uh, a WERS member. Great. Well, and as our producers start to sign up for WERS and start working with the, working through these phases, can you explain who they're going to be working with and kind of how the chain of command between Western United and yourself and Remenda's office will work? Yeah, of course. So um, as far as the chain of command, because uh, they are a Western United uh, member, um, they'll be, as far as the you know fee goes for the program, they'll be directly paying the fee to Western United. Um, now, because you guys are field reps, they could definitely, and you guys are, you know, obviously they know you well enough already to, you know, for, I don't know how many years you guys have been doing this, but I'm sure they know you very well. So, uh, they could definitely go to you for any questions they have. And usually the employers, you know, maybe the ones that go to you, but the employers, if they want to contact us directly, they can, um, the main point of contact will be me. Um, I do have my email, I have my company. Uh, work phone. Um, it's always on. I'm always available so they can contact me at any time uh, for whatever questions, issues they have. Um, if it is a legal question um, that I don't feel comfortable completely answering, uh, I will go directly to Anthony Raimondo, who's also always available, and discuss with him. Um, and we also have another uh, lead attorney here by the name of Gerardo Hernandez, who's been with the company since it opened up in uh, you know, I think 2014, I believe that's when he got his license. Um, so he's also another point of contact here for all the legal questions and services. Um, so as far as the chain of command goes, I'll be the main point of contact. Anthony Raimondo will be the main attorney to um, handle any issues that need, uh, you know, lawyer assistance. So will Gerardo Hernandez. And then uh, you as field reps, again, I know you guys communicate a lot with the, with the company owners and the, the, the dairy owners. So if you know, they contact you for specific questions, um, you know, obviously you guys could probably you know, answer some of those questions. And then you guys have been very good to contact us with you know, questions that you, you don't know or need a little bit more um, insight into. Um, so that's kind of like how it's working right now. And it's working pretty well. I, I, I want to say, um, you know, the, the communication has been coming in and, um, you know, it's, it's been great. Um, we've gotten some great feedback um, and, and hopefully we continue to grow this and, you know, continue to help these dairies out. Absolutely. And I think the great news is um, we have a longstanding relationship with Romano and Associates. A lot of our members have um, had the opportunity to work with Tony with Gerardo, with Kevin, with different attorneys in your office. So they feel super comfortable with that. And we're so glad to have you on board as well, Caesar. I was complimenting you to Anya the other day. Hopefully that gets passed on to Tony, but it's been awesome so far. You're so on top of everything and it's been really great. Um, so the one kind of caveat to all of this or kind of um, different aspect is you don't have to be a WED member to participate in this program. So we did set this up because it's such a valuable program um, that non-WED members can still work with WORS. So there is a rate plan that's a little bit separate. 
and we can get into detail about that if we have non-members who have questions, but you're open to work with dairy producers, whether they're members or not. Yes, that's correct, Melissa. Thank you for pointing that out. Um, yeah, our, our, I mean, our main objective and focus is, again, to help the dairy industry. Um, it's something that, you know, Anthony Raimondo, uh, when he first became an attorney, kind of just got thrown into and he loved it. And he, you know, kept, you know, kept it going. And, and you know, now our, our business is, you know, mostly just helping dairy members and members in the agriculture field. So um, yeah, like you like you stated, it's not just uh, you know closed off to uh, Western United members. Um, we're willing to help any dairy um, that is interested in in becoming you know a member of the subscription program. Um, you know, and, and it would be you know the same phases, the same uh, everything that's being uh, instituted into uh, you know Western United. Uh, members for this program would be the same uh, things that the non-members would be getting as well. So yeah, that's something really important that, um, you know, hopefully non-member dairies uh, think about um, because again, we're, we're here, you know, trying to help these dairy uh, companies uh, continue, you know, their business and um, yeah, just keep moving forward. Awesome. And we'll link uh, contact information for the program for any um, non-members and any members who may just feel more comfortable reaching out directly to your office and not necessarily through us. So we'll go ahead and link that in our show notes, but we really appreciate you joining us today, Caesar. Anything else um, interested dairies might want to know about the program that you can think of off the top of your head? Uh, I think we covered it all. I think you, you guys uh, have been doing a great job in, in getting the word out to uh, these dairies. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully we see less and less claims and lawsuits being filed uh, against these dairies through this program. Um, obviously, it's not guaranteed. And, you know, fortunately, in a way, that's why we're still in business is because there's always going to be some legal issues. Uh, but uh, hopefully, again, hopefully, we'll, you know, this program um, helps, you know, dairy companies um, you know, stay afloat. And um, again, it's it's something that will benefit the dairy owners and also hopefully the employees. Um, I've spoken to several uh, dairy companies and um, almost all say, you know, they have great employees. Um, so it's unfortunate, you know, when, when there's one employee or former employee who, you know, goes and opens a claim and, you know, the dairy company kind of is, is bewildered and, you know, they have to fight you know, back in a way, but, um, you know, that's what we're here for if it does get to that point. But again, this program is, is uh, running in, in hopes to prevent it from, you know, even getting there. And hopefully we can continue, you know, doing it and, and helping these dairy companies out. Well, we just want to say thanks again, Caesar. We really appreciate your time. And I know I'm really excited to continue working together in the future. Thank you, ladies. Likewise, it's a pleasure. And don't be surprised if we rope you into coming back sometime soon. <laughs> totally fine with it. Uh, yeah. Yosemite Farm Credit is the farmer's choice for agriculture financing. As a farmer-owned cooperative, we are dedicated to serving our neighbors in the agriculture community with financial products and services tailored to your operation and backed with the relationship you can trust. Whether you're purchasing real estate, making improvements to the dairy, or wanting to purchase or lease equipment, we're here to help our members prosper. Visit our website at yosemitefarmcredit.com to find a branch location nearest you. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Anya Radabaugh. I'm the CEO of Western United Dairies. I really appreciate seeing so many dairy farmers on the phone, uh, on the Zoom. It's, it's just a pleasure to be with you. We're really hopeful that in the next few months, we'll be able to actually physically go out into the field. And so we won't have to do so many of these things on Zoom. But for now, very happy to have everyone. So um, like I mentioned, all I got to do is talk about dead cows and I get a whole host of dairymen joining. So that's uh, it's a little morbid, but we're going to start with water today and rendering. And then I'm going to mention some dynamics around the gubernatorial recall that present a very challenging chessboard for both of those major issues that WUD has decided is a top priority. 
So on the water piece, um, particularly from Merced South, uh, you guys may be familiar with a number of dynamics that have come up in the last two years since Governor Newsom took the reins over from Jerry Brown. Uh, the first one we'll mention that kind of really lodged in the center of controversy on November 1st, 2018, was when the State Water Resources Control Board approved a very controversial called tributary proposal. It was a phase two of the Delta, how to get water into the Delta plan. And what that plan did is it essentially took about 30% or it proposed to take 30% of the water off the tributaries to the San Joaquin Delta, which included the Merced, Tuolumne and Stanislaus rivers. As you can imagine, the ratepayers that own the water behind those dams had a lot of problems with that. And so that was the first major bomb that landed on Governor Newsom's desk. And so that is one piece of the chessboard. That proposal was approved by the State Water Board. It has temporarily been stalled um, because there are two other major pieces of the water puzzle. The second one, and we'll call that the second bomb that was laid onto his desk, was something called the BIOPS. And that is a collection of biological opinions that essentially govern how Delta water is moved south, what time of year, how much, which days, which types of fish species need to be protected. And so the US Department of Interior released some updated guidance, um, which was very much in their purview to do, that allowed a little bit more water south on certain days of the year. The Newsom administration did not like that, um, and given the politics of the day, decided to sue the federal government over that biological opinion. So that was kind of the second major piece of the water chessboard. In order to resolve both of these issues, Governor Newsom and his team at DWR and in partnership with the State Water Board decided to come up with something called the Voluntary Settlement Agreements. And the VSAs, for short, essentially try to make everybody bleed a little bit. And I know that the feeling, particularly from Merced South, is that there's been a lot of bleeding already on water. I'm sensitive to that opinion, but Governor Newsom believed that the VSAs were the tool for compromise between the state and the feds and with the Delta tributary flows. So a lot of agencies signed on to the VSAs. They all said they would give a little bit. Um, in particular, you had a large concession coming from Metropolitan Water District, which controls about 16 million ratepayers down south in LA. Um, they guaranteed a specific amount of their state water would go towards the Delta and making sure that it was clean. Um, you also had some tributary water. I wanna say it was about seven and a half percent of their allocation behind the dam, the dams plural, that they were going to give up to these VSAs. However, a lot of that stalled, again, given the politics du jour. Um, it was not politically expedient to make some of those decisions when we weren't sure who was going to win the White House. And I know that that's not a very satisfactory answer to farmers who are looking to certainty um, in order to figure out what their game plan is, whether they're going to stay in California, plant you know, rye, plant whatever they're going to plant. And so we have asked at the beginning of the year, um, Governor Newsom to prioritize water certainty for dairy farmers. And we went in on this request with California Cattlemen's trying to make it a unified request um, as it stands in, in top of our priority. Because it's not just South Valley that's concerned about this. We have so many dairies that are affected by what happens in the tributary area. So we're really pushing hard for some certainty in that space. So I'll leave, I'll put a little pin in that and ask anybody if they have questions about my summary on where things stand with water. You might have some after we talk about the recall. So now I'm gonna move into rendering. And with some sadness, I don't have a ton of great news about rendering. We were tasked last year, along with many other trade groups and co-ops, along with Ag Council, to try to solve the rendering crisis. We really ran aground last year because what we're starting to see is that local landfills, if there is a rendering emergency, so if one or more of the renderers go down, they either have a technical problem or a capacity problem, they, um, 
we have no options except to either haul our dead stock to landfills if they will accept them, or we can temporarily compost them on site. Neither of these solutions are very practical, particularly in a heat wave uh, when we have so much mortality. And what really started to create a bigger crisis last year is that our local landfills, because they are also um, governed by 1383 and other restrictions for accepting organic waste started to say, no, we will not accept your mortalities. And so farmers were left with the possibility of composting on site. And again, this was supposed to be temporary, hundreds and hundreds of dead stock. Um, and that's what we know. We, there's probably a lot more dead stock out there that were not, um, that were not described to us. So I think that we have, um, worked with CDFA the last year now, but what we've come up with, and this was a top request of Western to the governor earlier this year, and you can imagine how much fun that conversation with Governor Newsom was um, talking about dead stock. He, he really didn't have his rendering policy paper available, but we made him aware of the general con constraints that we were facing and how much of an ecological and environmental problem this is for us. So we are now working closely with CalRecycle because the crux of the problem is really that we have a regulation that prevents mammalian tissue from being composted on farm. In addition to some local valley air regs that are also preventing a lot of composting, these are things that we're trying to raise with a lot more expediency. Unfortunately, earlier this week, we received communication from CDFA that in my opinion, and, and Paul, feel free to disagree with me, um, they're moving very, very, very slowly on getting this mammalian tissue reg resolved. So um, we are probably going to be gearing up some more emergency guidance as we go into the summer, um, working a little bit more closely with some of the local landfills where some of these mortalities occur. But there is also a rendering advisory meeting, uh, I believe next week or the week after, I'm sorry, can't remember which date, where they're going to be discussing whether or not they're ready for bear on the rendering side. So again, major crises within the regulatory structure of what we have to do with in rendering, not a lot of positive news in that front. We have elevated it though. Um, oh, thank you, Tricia. Uh, we, we have elevated it though to the governor in hopes that we can get a little bit more movement a little faster. Any questions before I move into the recall, which shades a lot of these requests? Okay. So I've given you the chessboard of major priorities for a majority of the milk shed in California. Rendering and water have definitely risen to the top of our list of priorities. Our, our entire political plan has been structured to basically make those priorities happen. But now we arrive at the recall and the politics of the recall are severe. And I'll go through a few statistics of that. Um, and we are not the only trade group or the only industry sector that I would suggest are suffering from the politics around the recall. But there's a number of things that have occurred, but I'll focus on a study that was released this week around the PPIC. The Public Policy Institute of California does routine polls and they're usually viewed as nonpartisan. Um, and what we found was that today the recall um, will qualify, but it will not likely pass unless things are extraordinarily uh, changed in the next six, seven months. So we're looking at anywhere between this recall putting being put on the ballot somewhere between November to February. So we're going into 2022. Uh, there's a lot of technical reasons that they're doing that, but I will start with some of the other numbers. Uh, the partisan divide in California has never been, I think, more heavily favored for the Democrats. Uh, we have a almost two to one registration advantage for the Democrats. And of those, and this is where it gets fun, uh, about 79% of Republican voters indicated in the poll that they would support the recall, whereas um, you know, fewer than 15% of registered Democrats would support the recall. 
And then a lot of uh, our members very astutely like to point out that there are independents. Uh, we actually have a much larger registration of independents here in California, no, no party preference. Um, they do lean left and of independents, um, fewer than half of them indicated that they would support the recall. So those are some statistics going into it. If we look at the governor's approval rating, um, it's still hovering around 52, 53%, which has been consistent as when they pulled him in January and right after he won the election. So very classically, 42% uh, disapprove of the way he's handling his affairs as governor, but 38% um, of the folks polled basically didn't vote for him. So it's very consistent along the partisan lines that people cast their votes in 2018. We are seeing a huge boost from President Joe Biden's approval rating in California. Among um, all registered voters in California, President Biden has an approval rating about 60%. And so um, that's really carrying a lot of water for Newsom because those same voters are indicating they would not be in support of a recall. And I think that one other trend, and this is important to keep in mind, is that improvements in pandemic trends are really mattering. So six months ago, there was a lot more uncertainty around where and how COVID-19 was going to play out in our schools, how the vaccines were gonna be rolled out, but 79% of Californians say that the worst of the outbreak is behind us. So that's really playing a role in how people are responding to the question of removing the governor. Um, again, this comes from some uh, very astute members asking me to get involved in this conversation. Um, I'd like to point out that 2021 is not anywhere similar to 2003, when some of us still remember that a recall election was successful. In 2003, um, the Democrats had a nine-point registration advantage over Republicans. In 2021, they have a 22-point advantage. And I'm not even talking about the no party preferences. So these are things that significantly separate the politics du jour from the politics of the past. Um, there has been a lot of chatter about who will run as replacements. And I think that a shining star like a, an Arnold Schwarzenegger has not emerged. One of the bigger names in the race um, that was pulling himself as of even last week, Tom Steyer, um, openly made an announcement this morning that he will not seek anything to do with the governorship. And so that's a significant risk when we look at the recall, the recall politics is that it's not about electing a Republican. It would be about electing someone further left of Newsom. That's more than likely who California voters would choose if they chose to boot him. Um, but that's not what's happening. The trends are not suggesting that. And so I'm going to wrap this up and put this all on a big chessboard for the priorities of the organization, which, again, largely have to do these days with water certainty and rendering solutions for our farmers. This is a very difficult environment. I didn't think things could get worse than they were in Trump versus Newsom. Um, that dynamic was awful. But the recall politics of the day really have to do with movement around the pandemic, opening schools up, vaccinations, um, these subtle policy issues that we need so much certainty to operate on are not getting a lot of airtime in any of the regulatory agencies or any of the governor's um, you know, top priority areas. So this is a concern and it's something that we're clawing and fighting for airtime on. So I'll pause there and see if there are any questions. So I think one of the things that Paul is going to be working on and making sure our memberships are aware, um, we've run this drill so many times now with potential emergency declarations um, on mortalities. We've gotten pretty good at checking in with landfills and making sure ahead of time that they have the desire, the capacity, the want 
But in many county by county um, emergency designations, which is what ultimately allows the cows to be taken to the landfills, it's a slow, problematic, and um, but I think that we're going into another summer where I'm not very confident we're gonna have some, some solutions, which is a very big disappointment. Well, when it comes to the rendering, you know, whether it's baker commodities or whatever um, outfit, you know, dairyman uses, it never fails. You know, they, they fall short of picking up your animals. And then lo and behold, a couple months go down the road and they're like, we're going to assess you more money. And then you end up paying more money for services that never got performed to begin with. Um, hopefully there's some sort of uh, middle of the road, if you will, you know, remedy that where we're, you know, we're not having to deal with, I think it was Trisha was posting something about, you know, dumping dead animals on the side of the road. That's um, kind of a little disheartening or aggravating, probably a better choice of words when you, you see you know, a dead calf laying on the side of the road or I've never seen a horse, but that's not to say that it can't happen. Uh, um, the Gavin knew something. So correct me if I'm wrong. If, if I'm following your, your statistics correctly, we're probably looking at maybe at best 46% people voting for the actual recall of them. At best. Yeah. In fact, what it's looking like, if I had to be brutally honest, is that Governor Newsom will come out of this even stronger with a political war chest that um, will rival most in that space. Uh, and you like can see cliche. that. Say so like the old cliche goes, be where you wish for. Correct. Yeah, that's a very, that's actually a very wise statement in this moment. I think some people say the devil, you know. Um, you know, he has, I think, uh, well, He's, he's been very nice to work with. Um, I think he's got a lot of big ideas. Um, it's just a very big state with a lot of intense political pressure points. And um, he's been very forthcoming with our producers at Western United Dairies. Um, in fact, he met with two of them earlier this year. Um, and he's really committed to helping us solve this water certainty. I, I know that um, watching some of the dynamics around the recall. If you can see who's lined up to publicly support uh, his, his efforts here, you can see that there is a tremendous interest from Southern California in isolating that water certainty. There's no other reason why they would be playing in that space. And so that's good for us. You know, we we're trying to stay as neutral as we can in these in this spot, but um, watching how Southern California is reacting to the recall tells me that they absolutely want to capture certainty around the VSAs in particular. Metropolitan Water District um, is one of the biggest proponents of seeing that deal go through. For our dairies, not just along the tributaries, Western United Dairies, um, but for everyone down south that's looking to cut some deals on water certainty, um, you know, for better or worse, the VSAs are the first linchpin that has to be released in order for that to happen. Because those tributaries have a lot of water, and I think they're ready to cut those deals when they can, but they have to know that 30% of their dam water is not going to be taken for delta outflow. And so that certainty word gets used a lot. In this case, it's really, really critical. Uh, but that's really what our board has asked him for this year. Um, we asked him prior years, and he's been wonderful to work with on clean drinking water. That was a huge priority of his. Uh, we all met at the same time in history, and I think it worked out really well. Um, but uh, these are other, you know, really, I mean, every dairy I know has got a backup plan right now. And a lot of it has to do with the availability of what they can plant and you know, how much water they're gonna get. And then when you add the rising costs of rendering, 
Um, that's, that's a horrible burden to bear. It's not fair either. Um, and the situation that's being created for all of you is one of illegality. And that's not tenable to me. That's not acceptable that you are all put in such a liable situation when there's not rendering capacity. And just, just for common um, reference, I don't see a lot of my North Coast areas on the phone here, um, but this is not just a Central Valley issue. Finding certainty on how we compost mammalian tissue is a statewide problem. Um, there are some more relaxed water regulations up on the North Coast, but right now they're, um, they're engaged in practices that we need to make sure they're protected with, just the same way we have in the Valley. So, it's actually been my pleasure to see Paul you know, lead a lot of these groups. Um, Melissa has been a big part of that as well, making sure that this is a statewide solution and not just a county by county solution. Well, and to that point, I would just add it's, it, you know, we're all dairymen, a lot of us on this call or um, work for the dairy industry. So we focus on that aspect of it, but it's also much larger than a dairy issue. And as Trisha mentioned in the chat, there's all kinds of things getting dumped on the sides of roads in different places. It, it ranges from pets to um, livestock to all kinds of, you know, wildlife. I, I, I live on the North Coast when a whale gets beached and dies on the beach, they have to figure out something to do with it. So I think that it's just a really far reaching issue and it covers a lot of little dark corners that we don't think about. So it's really, um, I think for our organization, really an awesome opportunity to lead in, in something that affects a lot of people in a positive way. Speaking tongue in cheek, I like my secondary rendering plan. We have about six families of coyotes on 2,000 or 2,000 acres that we farm. They go have a free-for-all in the dead pile. There's not much for bakers to pick up out at our place. Lovely. Well, maybe we just need to import some wolves, Justin, and we'll call it a day. Then we can, we can have some protected species and take care of our dead problem. Coyotes are fine. Wolves... You're going to lose a lot of live calves really quick because they're this not is like, yeah, I can attest to that. In, dead. They're, they're wanting the, something that's got a heartbeat to it. Well, it's wonderful to see everyone today. I just want to give everyone another chance to ask any questions if they have any. Um, in May, we will be covering a very good topic. Uh, we've been able to successfully kill a number of those nutrition bills that I mentioned last month. Uh, that are cropping up into our school nutrition program, uh, the, the effort to remove dairy products and replace them with plant-based ones um, doesn't get a lot of sexy media attention, and that's okay by me, but at the same time, um, we have really been waging that war in the capital pretty frequently, and so this year, through a number of wonderful strategies that our government affairs team deployed, um, we've already been able to kill almost all of those plant-based nutrition bills, and so that's been it's been a really good thing to highlight, but uh, this is, these other two issues are definitely to the grindstone. Um, please watch our updates. Uh, we're hoping to be able to get a little bit more certainty on rendering in the next few months. Um, we were really pushing for a solution by the summer, but I'm not that optimistic that this regulatory change can be made by the time we see the heat, which is already basically here, but the real heat. Well, as always, please look me up, um, Anya at wudairies.com. You're always welcome to call my cell. Um, reach out to any of our talented field staff. Um, wonderful partner here, Trisha Stever Blattler at the Tulare County Farm Bureau. Thank you for joining. Um, and if you have any follow-up questions, let me know. Did you know that you can turn your dairy manure into cash? Bennett Environmental is offering above ground dairy digesters at no cost to you. These systems can also remove nitrates from your lagoons to help you comply with water board regulations. Our proven above ground technology will generate income for your dairy into the foreseeable future. Because we truck the renewable natural gas off site, your dairy can profit regardless of your location. Bennett Environmental, turning your wastewater liabilities into sustainable assets. Learn more at bennett-environmental.com. 
Well, that wraps up our episode for today. Thanks so much all for joining us on this holy Saturday um, that this episode airs. And we hope everyone has a really wonderful Easter with their families. Um, We just really appreciate all of you joining us. We're about a year in at this point, Darby, if you can believe it, from launching the podcast. So pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting. I can hardly believe it. And last year at this time, we were driving our cars to sit in and go to Easter Sunday. So I'm looking forward to actually being in church this Sunday and really think we're starting to move towards towards some, some new normal. So as we wrap up again, we just want to give a huge thank you to our partners at Blimling for sending us our weekly market updates and information, as well as Cesar Vargas and the team at Romundo and Associates and Anya and Rochelle, and of course, all of our listeners and sponsors, especially PG&E, Yosemite Farm Credit, and Bennett Environmental. Remember to reach out to us with questions, comments, and content requests. You can reach Melissa at M-L-E-M-A at wudairies.com, and I'm Darby, D-A-R-B-Y at wudairies.com. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform, and have a blessed Easter. While West United Dairies respects the varied views of our podcast guests, please know that views expressed on Seen and Heard may not necessarily reflect the positions of the West United Dairies Board of Directors. Thank you to Western United Dairies' generous 2020 business sponsors, Gar Bennett, California Dairy Magazine, Farm Credit Alliance, FNR Ag Services, Moss Energy Works, Bennett Environmental, PG&E, and Yosemite Farm Credit. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support. If you'd like more information on how to sponsor Western United Dairies or this podcast, please send us an email at info at wudairies.com. That's info at wudairies.com. D-A-I-R-I-E-S dot com.